0: How are you able to punch back?
1: I mean, our team's relentless. Uh, we had great performances uh, by Austin Grouse on the mound, and uh, our offense just keeps going. We pass it along, one guy to the next guy. If we had 19 hits yesterday. We had another 19 today. The Bulls' offense is uh, it's bar to none. We compete, and uh, that's what we do. We get things rolling. We pass to
2: the next guy. Line drive by Betancourt. That ball's hit well to left center field. It's got some carry. It's gone, Rafael Betancourt. Lines that ball, oh, Grouse catches it. That was good defense. One and two to Monkey. Oh, and he smashes that ball. The wind could help in this situation. Plumley is so fast, but he's not going to get there. Start off the eighth. Oh, Marcus Cornell starts and in style. Lines it deep to right, and that is out of here. Five in the ninth, and that is a chopper that scoops through the middle. Two runs will score. It's nine to seven. Rosenblum having a day. Down two. Mayo lines that one, and that could get down. It does. They're going to go ahead and send home the next run, and it's 9-8. Rodell scores easily. Oh, and this is unbelievable. Five straight hits for the Bulls. Tied now. Eric Snow lines it. Hits the first base bag. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily. And it's 10-9. Eric Snow whacked it off the first base bag. A huge RBI knock is going from first. Fletcher drives it through the right side of the infield. Here's another run for you, an RBI single, and it's 11 nine. Two away. Curveball over to second base. Bobby Boser fields it, throws to first, and the Bulls win it.
3: Well, welcome to this edition of the It's Brewing at McEwen podcast. Uh, we're here with head coach Billy Mole, along with our my three co-hosts. We have Matt Giardino, John Kaplan, and Adam Cartwright. Um, this is our first ever podcast, uh, having Billy Mole on the program. Uh, Billy Mole has been with the USF baseball program now. He's coming up on his 10th year with the program. It's his seventh year as head coach. Uh, in his six years already as head coach and five full seasons, he has led the Bulls to two NCAA tournament appearances. Um, he's won the AAC championship tournament in 2021, along with, Winning the school's first ever NCAA regional and leading the Bulls to their first ever super regional appearance in school history. I'm gonna kick it over to uh to coach. Uh, coach, how has your off season been? Uh, what have you been up to?
0: Uh, off seasons are always long. Um, you know, it, it's enjoyable for about a week to get a little downtime to kind of catch your breath and uh kind of spend some time with some the family since you don't see them much during the year and then after about a week my wife's ready to kick me out and send me back uh to work so it, it was a uh, long uh little break it was a good break um uh, but I'm glad we're back at it and going at it again
3: nice uh you get an opportunity to take a trip with the family go anywhere
0: yeah we took a little time I uh I took uh I took Hunter my son Uh, up fishing up in Lake Michigan for a few days and then he's into the travel ball stuff now Uh, so we took a little uh, trip up to Pigeon Forge uh, for about six days to kind of watch him play and you know kind of watch the little guys get after it which is kind of refreshing for me.
3: That's awesome. Uh, So what position is he playing?
0: Uh, He's a first baseman. Um, He's kind of like his dad lacks uh, speed uh, but he's got a little hand-eye coordination has a little Little power. Uh, a little just, power? Uh, the running thing is uh, not his deal.
3: <laughs> any any potential of a, a switch to the mound one day?
0: You know, I don't. I don't think he. Uh, I think. I think he's happy at first base. I think uh, when he gets on the mound, he knows that my expectations are a little higher. So <laughs> I want him to have fun right now. He's young. I just want him to enjoy the experience right now.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. I, really, I really like that. Awesome. Well hey, I'll uh I got my three co-hosts here. Um
1: I'll kick it to uh to John first. How's it going, coach? Um thanks for coming on. Um so I wanted to talk about uh your coaching style and um your obvious tournament successes that you've had both here and before coming to usf um we had a really notable tournament run um obviously in 21 but this past year as well um what's kind of helped you with that success in a tournament style baseball and how does it differ from you know coaching a long regular season (laughs)
0: Uh, you know what, if I could put my finger on that, I would, I would, I would have the answer for that. Um, you know, when, when you get to tournament time and you're in the position that we're in, uh, it's, it's house money at that point, it's winner go home. Um, and those kids go out, they have a lot of fun. Um, they play loose, they play free guys like Ben Rosenblum, who struggled through the regular season, decide to go off and, bring energy to the team and all that. Um, You know, not to mention, you know, it's all about who's on the mound that day. Do they have a good day? Do they have a bad day? If you have a good day, you got a chance to win the game. Um, So we, we did make that run last year. uh, A little too late Uh, should not been in the position we were, but there's no, there's no answer to, you know, for anybody can play good for a game. Anybody can play for two games. It's, keeping the consistency to play 56 consistent games. Uh and that's the key focus for this year. Very good. Thank you.
3: Awesome. And I'll, uh, I'll kick it to
4: Matt. Yeah. So uh, obviously you made a couple of coaching changes this off season and obviously you've worked with them in the past. You know, what's that like bringing in two guys that you're really familiar with and, um, you know, seeing how that, you know, looks for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, so both those guys have been here when we've had the most success. Chris Cates, uh, obviously, when we went to the regional in 15 and 17, uh, Coach Kunkel was a huge part of that 21 team. Um, both both know what it takes to win at a high level. Both are very relatable to the kids. Um, you know, I felt like I, – I feel like we have two really good offensive minds, two guys who really know the game in and out. And, and really the relationship piece with the players being able to keep up with the new school way of thinking, but still maintain the old school values uh, is something that's important to me.
4: And was that uh how was that phone call when you, when you called both of those guys up, were they pretty excited?
0: Yes. Yes. You know, obviously, you know, we we've had track record. I've had track record with both of them. Um, they're, they're not only coaches, they're family to me. And they were both uh, thrilled, you know, Kate's being from, Tampa and Tampa is his hometown, you know. I think it I think it definitely means a lot. And obviously Kunkel, we wouldn't have been where we were in 21 without uh, without Alan Kunkel and some of the players he was able to bring in for us.
4: Yeah, I saw a couple things about Cates and his uh collegiate baseball career. He uh was a pretty incredible player himself. Um, but oh. also with with that too, I was kind of worried uh con- I was kind of going to ask you about, you know, what are the things that you think they're going to bring to the table in terms of their skill set and uh, what type of energy they're going to bring to the program?
0: Yeah. The one thing i tell you about Kate, he's a high energy guy. You know, he's going to coach third base for us. Um, you know, he is a, he was a self-made player. He's become a self-made coach. Uh, everything he's gotten, he's earned. He was a really good player. We played against each other. He'll tell you this. He owned me. Uh, I think he had three or 4 let that go. (laughs) Um, But he's going to bring energy. He cares about the kids. He wants to make the kids as good as possible. But he's a guy who had to go earn it, and he did. He was a really good player, um, and he's a really good coach. Um, Kunkel. Uncle brings kind of, he's a real relationship guy, has good relationships with all the players, hard worker. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, he's got connections all over the country. Uh, but in terms of hitting and stuff like that, he, the guys buy into what he says. He's, he's not old school. He's more so new school, you know, kids in the phone and the phones today, you know, they, they question things here and there. He's on top of it all. So he brings a ton of value to us. Um, I'm excited to have both. They kind of uh, balance each other out, um, and, and they bring some different dynamics that we haven't had in the last few years. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Uh, hey, Coach, uh, just wanted to ask you about the transport portal. This has kind of been something that's kind of grown and evolved during your tenure here. How do how you manage that when it comes to building your squad kind of on a season-to-season basis?
0: you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, mm-hmm. It is what it is. It's there. Um, yeah. I don't love it. You know, I'm a big believer when you commit to something, you commit to it, you follow through, obviously we're in a different day and age. And, you know, I mean, just look at Colorado's football team right now. I mean, they made the most out of the portal and, and it paid off um, for us. You know, we lost a, a couple of players to the portal, uh, but we gained, a, we gained, we gained some too. So, the jury's out. I prefer not to build our team off the portal because you never know what the portal is going to produce. I still like the high school kids. The high school kids are going to come in and develop and hopefully be here three or four years. Um, you know, the Eric Snows, the Bobby Bozers, the Drew Brutchers, those guys of the world. Um, I'm, those guys are as loyal as it gets, and I'm glad they're on our side. Um, but the portal is definitely something that it, at least if you're in a need for something immediately, uh, it's an option.
4: And what's one of the you know reasons that you think that so many players have stayed with USF? You know, guys like you know, Eric Snow and Bobby Bozer, they've had incredible seasons. And um, what do you think it is that keeps them coming back to USF and wanting to be a part of it?
0: Probably a better question for them. I would like to think it's the fact that they've they've played every they played every day here. Uh they've developed Uh, Both of them have accolades, you know, and in order to make it to the next level, you got to play and you got to play consistently. A lot of people, a lot of people play and they they think the grass is greener on the other side. And you see a lot of careers come to a close at the end of their college season. There's a bunch of guys in the American a year ago who transferred out to bigger and better and brighter lights. And, you know, they they had very average careers at their next place and you don't see them playing pro ball. Well, I think with the the amount of guys that we put into pro baseball and the success they've had in pro baseball, guys buy in and know that you know you dominate here at USF, you dominate in the American, and you get drafted. You're ready for Pro Bowl and ready to play. I like that. Um.
3: All right, my turn. So, um, coach, um, you know, based on the the coaches that you brought in and and, and Chris Johns coming back. Um, kind of working more of hitting and positional players and things like that. Uh, there's not really, from my perspective, what I could tell is a clearly defined uh, pitching coach. Do you feel like that's something that you're going to be more involved in this year? What is the plan for that?
0: I'm going back to it. I'm going back to what made us successful in the first place. Um, you know, as a young head coach and trying to balance everything, and you know, I'll being like, oh, let's let's hand the keys over here. Let's let's kind of let go. Um, You know, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this is why we've been why we've had successes, why we've been good, because we've always been able to pitch. Um, So to me, it's like, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that do it. John Savage at UCLA, Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida. There's a lot of guys that do it. And that's my biggest strength that I can bring to make these guys better. And it was my decision to go back and, and start working with these guys full time again.
3: That's awesome. And how has that transition been so far? I know it's really only the maybe second week of your guys' practices, but how how have you liked kind of getting more into that, on that side of it so far?
0: I love it. Like that's, that's been my whole niche. That's been what I've done my whole life is be on the mound, um, you know, and it's you know, Coach Whitson did an, did a, did a great job. Unbelievable human being, uh, young guy uh, who I have nothing but respect for. But it's kind of like when it, it's it's kind of like when you were the guy beforehand. It's you're always looking down, and you know, it was kind of just time to like, you know, for him personally, for his career, he needed to go kind of fly and do his own thing. And for me, this is my biggest strength, and I'd be doing this team a disservice. Um, if I wasn't the one doing it,
3: I like that. I like that. I'm looking forward to uh you know seeing you have that influence on um, pitching staff and talking about the pitching staff I, I this is what I wanted to mention earlier um you know, your final year when you were solely focused on being the pitching coach, I think was two thousand seventeen is that right? And that starting rotation was unbelievable. I mean, you had three guys, the highest ERA was 3.2. One of them is now an MLB all-star. One of them is a regular major leaguer. Another has been in the major leagues. Um, Could you talk a little bit about, you know, those three guys and like how you helped them maybe progress? Cause I know you got here in 2015. Um, Maybe just talk about your, your journey, kind of reflect on your days as a pitching coach and, Maybe that'll obviously translate to what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, all of them were very talented. Obviously, Shane was a different in a different stratosphere in terms of arm talent. I mean, he just made everything really easy. Um, You know, Shane and I mean, uh, Phoenix and Pete, uh, both really competitive guys who had a chip on their shoulder. They were guys who – Phoenix went to Daytona State. Pete went to Palm Beach. They were both JUCO guys. Both had a chip on their shoulder. You know, if Pete didn't get hurt in junior college, there's a good chance he was a draft out of out of Palm Beach. Um, but both those guys, you know, they were super competitive. They, they had good stuff. Their stuff got better as they go as they went. Obviously, Phoenix, first year with us, it was kind of up and down. And then his second year, he was lights out. Uh, but just kind of watching those guys develop, watching them compete, watching them focus on the things that were important and continue to develop, you know, and you look up and if you're a betting man, you've been like, man, you got a long ways to go to get get to the big leagues, but both of them did it. And it's just because of who they are and their personalities and and what they're made of um, ultimately got both those guys into the big leagues. And it, it was incredible to watch.
3: So that's really awesome. Nice. So we will uh, kick it uh, to our next segment. Uh, we wanted to kind of ask you some more personal questions, kind of get to know you. Um, I'll kick it to Adam.
2: Hey, Coach. So uh, I like to kind of shop local, and I really like the kind of mom-and-pop style restaurants. So I just kind of wanted to ask if there was any local
0: eateries around Tampa Bay that you like to frequent that maybe we could check out? You know, I'm kind of a homebody. Um oh. I do like food, but one of my favorite places, and this was probably, uh, it must've been five or six years ago at this point, North 30, North 30, uh sports bar. Um, I walked in there one day right when it opened, I got to know Eli and Iris, uh, the owners, and they're like my second family now. I mean, in terms of if I want to go somewhere and just kind of relax and not be bothered, um, that's my place. They, they, treat me really well they treat all of our they've got a good relationship with the athletics department do a lot of they do all of our pregame meals um that's a that's a place I like to go hang out and then my favorite restaurant when I got down here was Jackson's Bistro down on the water in downtown Tampa like get a little sushi you know maybe some brick chicken and just sit there and hang out on the water awesome we'll have to check those places
3: out um so on that topic coach um you know, I follow you on Instagram, and uh, I'll see sometimes you post, you know, some barbecue or maybe you're smoking some meats. Um, seems like something that uh, another uh, something you're pretty skilled at, from what I could tell from the pictures. Uh, could you talk to me a little bit about what what you're doing there? Like, what's your go-to's? Or what's your what's your process like with with those kind of things?
0: Yeah, so I don't have I don't have many hobbies. Fishing's one of them. And then if I want to let off some steam, I like to fire up the smokers. Um, right. you know, the players, the players are dying. They're they're wanting to come over for me to smoke, and that's a lot of <laughs> house to feed. Uh, but really? no, I normally, you know, like last weekend it was a couple of pork butts. My kids like smoke chicken wings, they don't like the, mm-hmm. the fried chicken wings, so I'll smoke them some chicken wings. Uh, brisket's a big one in our house um, but it's nice I just sit out on the patio, kind of chill out and that's kind of my decompression is uh, is smoking stuff Nice, that's
3: awesome I think you told me once you uh, had a cookout um, with uh, crawfish, you do that as well?
0: Yeah, normally for the Super Bowl we'll have a crawfish boil at my house, obviously being from, you know, being in New Orleans for seven years, uh, I'm trying to introduce crawfish to these Florida boys, <laughs> I think I got most of them hooked.
3: That's, That's funny. funny. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, man. Okay. Big Canes. And, uh, uh, Canes okay. Oh, uh, nice. Canes, is, yeah, Canes is real. Nice,
0: nice. Yeah, okay. my wife worked at the first one in New Orleans. Yeah, the Canes is Canes. The Canes and the Canes dipping sauce. Coach Cates' favorite place Ooh. is Canes. Nice. Oh yeah, well, we take specific trips, you know, over to Clearwater now to get that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sweet.
4: Cool. So uh, I guess I'll ask the next next question. So obviously you started out your career as a pitcher at Tulane and you had a lot of success during your time as a pitcher as well. Uh, You know, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, you know, your experiences going to Omaha and, um, you know, what was the makeup of that team? What made that so special? And overall, what was your experience like getting to that point of college baseball?
0: It was definitely a process. Uh, I remember my freshman year, I think three out of every four games started that year were by a freshman on the mound, which is not heard of in college baseball anymore. Um, That year, we ended up going to a regional at LSU, got eliminated by LSU. Um, The following year, we came back. We were all now sophomores. Uh, We ended up pushing our way to the Super Regional over at Cal State Fullerton. We ran into a guy named Jason Windsor and Ricky (laughs) Romero. Both big leaguers, mm-hmm. uh, Chad Cordero, you had Kurt Suzuki behind the plate, Jason Turner at third. Um, they were a really talented team, and we lost. We went, we went 0-2 there. And the following year, we returned pretty much everybody again, but we ended up landing a big transfer and guy named Micah Owings. Um, and that kind of put us over the top. That that led to us, I, I think we were 56 and 10 that year. Um, but it was just the hunger of each year after what we went through. It was okay. We mm-hmm. went to a regional. Okay, now we got to get and we got to make the next step. And the goal was always to get to Omaha. And we were a really talented team. Um, you know, we went to Omaha as the number one seed. uh, But it was it was a group of guys who were absolutely selfless. Like it was it was pull on the rope with everybody. Um. Guys, guys, back then it wasn't I'm I'm upset, I'm not playing. It was man, we're part of something special and we're gonna all pull on the rope in the same direction.
4: That's awesome. Definitely a, a good thing to live by and hopefully uh you know some of the younger kids can take note of that as well.
1: So uh as a pitcher myself, you know, uh when somebody says, you know, what was the best game you or most memorable game you have on a mound, I can all I can always think of One or two. What uh, what would you say um, was your most memorable game on the bump and why?
0: We went to Omaha in 05. We we got eliminated by Baylor. Texas ended up winning the national championship. They beat us in game two. Um, I was warming up in the Baylor game and we blew we blew a nine run lead. So I never got in. And uh, the very next year, my senior year, we opened up at Minute Maid Park against Texas, who was the number one team in the country, um, and that was my best outing. Seven innings, I can't remember my exact line. We won the game at the end of the day. That's all I cared about. We won the game, yeah. and that, you know, being a Houston kid who was recruited by Texas, and I ended up committing to a little school in New Orleans. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a big deal.
1: That's incredible. Um... I'm actually from Dallas myself, and uh, I grew up a Texas fan. So um, you're definitely well-versed with the, uh, the Augie pride that uh, comes with UT baseball. Um, <clears throat> and also, I think in 05, that was when they won their, I think it was like their sixth national title. Uh, I grew up a huge Texas baseball fan. Um, but also, uh, I have Matt and Mark in my fantasy football league this year, and I'm about to take their lunch money. And I was wondering, uh, do you have any fantasy teams this year?
0: Yeah, we play for fun just amongst the coaching staff. Coach Cates uh, is kind of the ringleader of it. But, I I mean, even we've been probably doing it. Mike Rodomsky, who was one of our SIDs, uh, who was killed in a fatal car accident. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a league called Live Like Mike. And all of us who are involved and around at that time, we, we continue to play and uh, just for fun, and uh, we enjoy it. That's really cool.
1: So,
3: yeah, next segment, Coach, I just wanted to kind of talk about, you know, maybe like your coaching philosophy and kind of the way you go about it um, as a whole and maybe just some things about being a a college baseball coach in general. Um, So I'll I'll let Matt kick that segment off.
4: Uh, Yeah, so obviously it's a, a busy time being a college baseball coach, um, you know, how do you guys make time for evaluating talent and what are the things that you're looking for in uh, these young kids in terms of their characteristics, their overall character uh, to be a USF goal?
0: Yeah, well, number one, you don't make time for it. You, you, you do it. Uh, that's kind of the lifeblood of your program is recruiting. Recruiting never stops. Uh, you're always constantly evaluating, uh, making phone calls, all that in terms of what you look for. Um, obviously talent wins out. You're trying to go get the big, fast, physical, uh, left-handed hitter, if you can. Uh, From a pitching standpoint, I want to see guys who can spin it, uh, spin it well. You know, the Orion Kirkrings of the world who could really spin it, and then you see the velo come. Uh, I want to see pitchability. Uh, I think that's one thing that's kind of been lacking lately, Um, but I'm a big on pitchability. Um, But then the most important thing is getting the right kid – um, you gotta have blue-collar type kids. You gotta have kids that have that are the Phoenix Sanders and Pete Trezlikies of the world who have a chip on their shoulder, who wanna prove the world wrong. Um, you can't go for the country club kid who thinks he has it all figured out and doesn't want to work and has all the answers. You want the blue collar kid who is going to run through that wall for you. You want that pitcher who might be five ten, but he's going to give you everything he's got. And he's going to, he's going to punch, punch, punch until he knocks you out. To me, that's the, the biggest thing that I've learned in the last 10 years is character matters. Work ethic matters. Um, how tough are you when the times get tough? You know, are you going to fold? Are you going to give in? Um, and a lot of it, you know, you, you go back and you look at the parents are the parents hard on them? Are the parents, you know, do they just let their kids do whatever they want? Uh, and you start trying to figure those things out through the recruiting process of man, this kid's self sufficient, you know, he's had a little bit of adversity in his life. Um, because we can go through all the, the best players that have played here, all they've all gone through adversity at some point. Um, because when you haven't gone through it and you do get hit with adversity that that's a challenge
4: out of uh all the players that you've recruited as a coach what's one guy that you saw from a very early age where you kind of knew that he was going to be special and you know he turned out to to really be
0: special i mean brutcher's one of them uh, I can't say that I thought Shane was going to be because when Shane was a junior, I remember walking away from a field in Fort Myers because he was throwing it 82 miles an hour, but it was athletic and the arm worked, you know, Brutcher, you thought, okay, this, this, this kid's got a chance. He could pitch. He can hit. He like, he he's got it. Um, same thing when I saw Carmine Lane, like Carmine Lane, you knew he was going to hit, um, you know, but you know, some of those guys who, when it's real easy to see like that, when it's real easy to see at that young age, those guys don't end up getting to school. You know, you got to get the guys that have the tools and you got to be able to develop them. All the guys that we've had go on to the big leagues, with the exception of Shane, who came back from Tommy John on fire, uh, those guys have yeah. all their way to the big leagues. It's not like they were just naturally more talented than everybody else. They put in the work. They made themselves really good players, and they kind of got the fruit of their labor once, once it was all said and done. Awesome. Thanks, coach.
2: Hey, coach, this question might be just more about, you know, being a coach on campus, but uh, how have you seen USF athletics evolve kind of over your nearly 10 years here? And how do you feel feel about the direction that it's going?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of change in 10 years. Um, You know, a lot, a lot of positive changes, you know, obviously at the end of the day, all that really matters is wins. And it doesn't matter what sport it is, it's wins, you know, and what goes along, you know, what, what leads to wins having good coaches, which I believe we have, we have good coaches, but also being able to support these student athletes in a new era of NIL, where, you know, it, it's not what we're used to, you know, used to be, you were grateful that you get your education paid for and everybody was kind of on an even playing field. It's not an even playing field anymore. Um, you got to have the investments in the NIL. Obviously, Mr. Kelly has done an incredible job investing in the facilities. The facilities continue to get better and better. The new IPF, the stadium coming, a baseball, softball clubhouse coming. All that stuff matters to recruits. Um, It all matters. So, you know, I think the trajectory of this place is big. We just need more support in those areas because at the end of the day, why is Colorado football where they're at? obviously they've got huge NIL deals and everything else. And you, you really see it at the power five level, um, you know, in terms of the money that is being spent.
3: Interesting. And I think that kind of relates to uh, what John wanted to, to mention as well.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, speaking of NIL, it's a relatively uh, newer topic for myself uh, included, but um, how has that impacted like um your recruiting, your coaching, or uh, in terms of, like, retaining players or, or getting new talent to come to USF, how has NIL impacted that?
0: I mean, it's a big deal. Um, you know, I feel like out of all the sports at, at USF, we've we've really pushed the envelope with the NIL stuff uh, as as much as we possibly could. You know, I'd like to say I was just a baseball coach, but I feel more like a general manager these days in terms of the Absolutely. things that these kids are looking for. Um, but it, it's very important. I mean, I feel like we lost a player because of NIL because somebody was able to go bigger and better, and it's not like I have a credit card and can and, and promise it. It's I, I didn't have what he was getting, so um, it, it's it's a big deal. I me personally. I don't love it, but it's it is where we are. Like it that's where we're we are today and we got to we we got to play the game.
3: Yeah. It makes sense. And uh coach, I wanted to kind of ask you a a more general question. Um, you know, being a coach, um I feel like uh from my understanding, I think you've done that since your um playing career ended, is that right? Did you go into coaching right away? Yep. Okay, And so what 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 keeps bringing you back every year? Um, What is your what do you say is like your why for being a coach? And why do you and then in addition to that, you know, why do you enjoy it?
0: Well, I think the thing I enjoy most about being a coach is is trying to make sure that the next generation of players doesn't make the same mistakes I made or that previous people have made and passing on that knowledge so that those guys can go live their dream. Um, You know, when you get a kid that ends up being in the big leagues, it's probably the greatest feeling in the world knowing that, man, that kid, that kid really finally reached his dream. Uh, But it's also the relationship piece with the players. I've been on a baseball field my whole life. Um, I spend more time with the players than I do my own kids most of the year um, because I love them. I want, I want the best for all of them, you know, whether they make it to the big leagues or they make it to AAA or they become a doctor or a lawyer. Um, that's the fun part for me. That's the fun part when 10 years down the road, five years down the road when you're going to their wedding and and you see them having success. Um, to me, I'm a big, I believe in giving back you know, whether it's coaching, whether it's, raising money for cancer whatever it is it's it's to pass the baton to the next person
3: on the topic of of giving back um i've seen um some of the a lot of the work that you do with the uh, the stand up to cancer and and what that organization is and and how you guys uh raise awareness and can you talk a little bit about it just wanna yeah
0: yeah so that so when i was when I was got done playing at Tulane, our head coach's nephew, uh, chase Jones was a freshman bullpen catcher at the university of North Carolina and his freshman year, he started having headaches and he ended up being diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, you know, that kind of hit home cause that was like one of the, the closest people to me. We worked camps together. We, he was always around and that kind of, that was the first person I really dealt with cancer with. Um, so he survived it. He beat it. He's very successful. And he created this foundation and asked, and this is when I was at Illinois state asked me if I'd get involved. And that must've been around 2011. Um, and uh, back then it was called St. Baldrick's. Um, so he asked me, I, I said, how do I help? And he goes, literally just have a fundraiser, have your players raise money and at the end, shave your head. So I'm like, well, that's really easy. Uh, so the first year it was like 20 grand and, and it was like twenty five grand. And it was, and it was like you know, half the money went back to cancer research, and then half the money went to a local hospital, uh, to the local uh, children's ward that was dealing with cancer. And obviously, in my situation with what I dealt with back in, you know, two thousand thirteen, losing my wife at twenty eight years old to cancer, um, I told her before she died, I'd, I'd never stop fighting for it, um, and I'm gonna uphold that promise as long as I'm still here. So that's where that kind of all stemmed from. I just I've never stopped. Uh, I've gotten more involved on the board and stuff like that with versus cancer. And, you know, when you actually walk in a hospital, and I'm sure john's seen this, it's, you know, it's sad. It's sad watching a kid go through that. Um, And any little bit of help we can give to them to make a difference in one family is worth it to me. That's awesome, man. Do you
3: know, the, you said the name of the organization is, is verse cancer. So people listening could check out their website and donate if they want.
0: Yep. Versus cancer. We don't have it. We don't have the thing set up yet. Um, that will be set up in the next month or so, uh, to start raising for the, the shave in 2024. Um, but that, that will be available, uh, coming up here, probably by October. Awesome.
4: Very cool. Thinking Very cool. of, uh, fundraisers. I know, uh, you guys usually have the, Golf tournament uh, is that something that will be coming back this year?
0: You know what we we've, we've gone back and forth on that. The thing I'm thinking about hosting is more of a opening bank opening like leadoff dinner, um, maybe over at the Yingling the the Yingling little place brewery restaurant over there. Mm-hmm. Um, just the golf courses have gotten so expensive, and I feel like everybody does a golf tournament. I want something more intimate where. You know, we can we can sit down, chat, do stuff like that, bring the alumni back, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully drive up some more interest. But the golf tournament, it's just been hard to find a, a destination for that.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I I definitely think that, you know, we can help get that place sold out too for you. That'd be great. Cool. cool.
3: Well, hey, uh, we'll kick into our last segment. Um, I just wanted to open it up to any of the guys, if they had any questions for you uh, about the upcoming season. Uh, I know that you guys started fall practice recently and it was recently announced that you'll have a fall game at Stetson and along with the annual green and gold, you know, world series. Um, but I'll open it up to uh, the guys.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, start. Um, is fo- I have a few questions. Um, kind of in the direction of the uh, pitching staff Um, is in terms of methodology what changes can we expect to see um, from both the starting rotation and bullpen this season with you at the helm and um, really being
0: the sole uh, coach focusing on pitching this year yeah, I mean, I mean right now everything's up up for grabs. I mean, we brought in we brought in 13 new arms. Uh obviously we're returning Jack Siebert, uh who had a lot of success for us. Gaily Gaily had a decent year, um but at at the end of the day when you look at our numbers across the board, they were not impressive what, whatsoever. So it's kind of those new those new 13 arms. I told them from day one, you guys are out to take jobs. Um and the older guys, you got to you got to step up. Uh, if you don't step up, whatever your role was last year could be you know severely diminished. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's about getting guys out. And we did not do a very good job of that. Jack Siebert was, was the one who I could say was consistent for us. Um, but consistency matters. Uh, we got to go out. We got to compete. And there's 13 new guys that are looking you know, to take jobs. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, I was also wondering um as far as like the new incoming groups or altogether, what position group are you most excited about without like naming specific names or anything like that and and why? Like what uh what I mean, I'm sure you haven't really gotten to see too much of the on field talent just yet and how it's gonna progress through throughout the offseason, but is there a specific group that you have in mind that you're most excited to see on the field and how it pans out?
0: Well, I mean, I think I think from an offensive standpoint, I'm excited because we returned most of our high impact guys. You got Snowback, you got Bozer back, you got Rutcher back. Um, you know, you lost Cantu out of that. But then all the other guys are a year older. And then you talk about some of the incoming guys that we brought in, you know, Bettencourt was a – you know borderline freshman all-american came out of nowhere uh you'll get him back so i'm i'm excited about the position group you know i think infield you know our infield's really strong across the board um you know so that's the that's the one thing the the biggest question mark is who steps up on the mound who's gonna that that's the biggest thing i feel like all the other places are in peace or pieces are in place um we just got to pitch better. You you can't, you can't try You can't score 10 runs a game and, and, and lose.
1: Right. Ideally, would you say that um, you, like when you think of like the perfect situation in terms of our pitching staff, would you say we have a set rotation through the weekend and or with the midweek starter right now? No, I was. I'm saying in like a utopian world, like
0: is yeah, his yeah, field yeah. Field. Yeah, in a, yeah. In a perfect world, I'd like to have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. You know, no. with your setup and your closer. If if you look at the 17 pitching staff, that's exactly what we had. Uh, you had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You had a Tuesday. You had your setup and your closer. I mean, that's that would be the perfect scenario. But you got to have those guys because if you don't have those guys, you got to get creative.
1: Yeah, for sure. A um, couple more questions. Uh, how do you plan on um, replacing the leadership um, that we're losing in the clubhouse uh, with the departure of Daniel Cantu? Who, who are you looking at um, to step up as a vocal leader of the team?
0: Uh, that's what I kind of challenge the guys with. I'm not going to name any captains. I'm going to see who goes through the fall and who does the right things and who, who toes the line and holds guys accountable. Um, I've made the mistake in the past of naming a captain right from the get go, and It hasn't worked out. So, you know, we got some guys that are capable of it. Uh, I don't want to anoint them that by any means right now. Um, but there's definitely some returners on this team who could take charge. And I, I think it will happen. We'll see through the course of the fall. I think you guys have a pretty good idea who a couple of them might be. Um, uh, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying anything until they go out and show it.
1: Yeah, awesome. I've got a few names in mind, but we can stick with that theme. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And if there's any way that I can get involved when uh, that website's up and running with uh, the – what was the website name again? I'm sorry.
0: Versus Cancer.
1: Versus Cancer, yeah. Let me know if there's anything that I can do to get involved. I'd be more
4: than happy to do that, Coach.
2: Appreciate that. Of course. Uh, Adam or Matt,
3: anything?
4: Yeah, I have uh just one more kind of overarching question in terms of, you know, what are some things that you're looking for from your team this year Um, that, you know, maybe didn't lead to some success last year, but what do you think is is going to really make a difference this year? Obviously, I think personally speaking, just having you as a pitching coach is going to make a big difference, but um, what do you think are some of the things you're looking for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of it. But I think the the thing is how they go about playing the game every day. Um, if you look at us through the first, I don't know, 55 games last year, you look at our, our athleticism didn't match what our stats said. Um, we hit some home, we hit, we hit quite a few homers. We hit more homers than we have in probably 20 years, but you look at our double production, it wasn't good. And it wasn't because we weren't doing it. It was because, Man, you got to play the game with your hair on fire. Um, you know, our stolen bases, I think we had – I haven't gone back and looked, but we ended up with 39, but I felt like we stole 20 of them in the last three weeks of the season. <laughs> um, you know, just playing the game aggressive, applying the pressure, um, you know, taking runs when they're given. You know, I don't know how many times, run around third, less than two outs you know, and and we don't get the guy in. It's just all the attention to detail, how hard we play the game uh, from a position player standpoint. And then from a pitching standpoint, it's not being afraid, you know, the walks, the hit by pitches, you know, attacking hitters, throwing good strikes, um, you know, staying within the strike zone. You know, I think, you know, offensive across the board is up in college baseball significantly. And I think part of that is strike zones are way better uh, with all the, the in stadium data stuff that the umpires get their report on it's not like greg maddox back in the day where you throw ball two feet off the plate and you get the strike the strike zones are way tighter so if you look at offense across college baseball maybe some of it's the ball maybe some of it's the bat but umpires are a lot better at this level than they ever have been and you got to be able to pitch to it
4: makes sense and uh i guess also part of that too is you know keeping your players motivated and, uh, you know, how do you keep your players motivated, I guess, is the the question that I was going to ask.
0: You got to bring it every day. You got to bring the juice every day. There's no days off. Um, you know, and it's got to be a collective staff effort. It can't just come from one person. It's got to radiate down from me uh, to the assistant coaches, to the trainer, to to everybody involved with the program um you know the expectation are are the expectations uh, and and they got to be followed through every day um and that that's from the top on down awesome that's
4: really awesome to hear and uh i guess i'll kick it off to adam if he has any closing questions
2: uh yeah just real quick i don't want to take up too much of your time but when you were discussing the assistant coaches you talked about uh one of them having a new school kind of mindset and kind of new school thinking. And I just kind of wanted to ask, how do you balance that new school analytical style of coaching versus the old school kind of philosophical gut feeling? Uh, Is it a balance? Do you lean one way to the other? I feel like it's, I feel like every coach kind of
0: has their own style when, when incorporating analytics and data. I I think from just a, a, a swing mechanics standpoint and an approach standpoint, Obviously, I think there's freedom from player to player, but old school in, in terms of getting a bunt down, executing hit and run, um, running hard 90s, those those are, have to be consistent. You know, in terms of the new age and all the different stuff you see, I think it's important because there's a, there's a lot of smart people out there with good information. But in terms of old school, it's we're going to play the game right. We're going to play it hard. We're going to move a runner. We're going to get them over, get them in. Uh, and, and we're still going to hit our doubles, our triples, and our homers. Um, but we got to play the – we have to have old school values with a new school approach.
3: Nice. And uh, I think that's all we got. Um, Coach, we really appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast with us. Um, we look forward to, you know, coming out, maybe watching some fall
0: scrimmages and uh, seeing, seeing the season progress absolutely and if you guys would, would for me just keep tom lane in your prayers carmine's dad needs a liver transplant not doing so well so if you have a chance to check out his GoFundMe page uh you know carmine's a big part of our program and you know you guys know tom and you know any help you guys can get or any fans can give him would be greatly appreciated absolutely absolutely
1: yeah we'll be sure to uh retweet or post anything that we can to kind of promote that GoFundMe page I was I saw it uh, a few days back when they posted it or I that was the first time that I saw it It was a few days ago and um, it looks like they're getting some some action but I would like to see more because that's just a great family a great man and we all love Carmine with all of our hearts so whatever we can do to help we will for sure appreciate it of course thank you
4: coach
2: all right, Phillips, we will see you this
1: fall. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. No okay. yeah.
4: balls.